Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. again from the sports rivals that's ernie and i'm monty and together we are going to cover the world of sports ernie lots going on this incredible uh thanksgiving week you had the maui invitational which i'll get to in my closing thought Mm -hmm. you had football at all levels high school college pro with lots going on there it was an exciting weekend but we have to start first and foremost with what happened in regards to Hawaii athletics over this weekend. I can't remember the last time we had a weekend this positive and this exciting when it comes to University of Hawaii sports. Yeah, multiple sports this way. Absolutely. You had the first Big West tournament in over 26 years. Hawaii did not look very well. Three weeks ago, you remember, they lost back-to-back home matches for the first time in 30 years. Right. It looked like things were spiraling. They put it back into gear. They fly to Long Beach for this tournament. They sweep Cal Poly in the semifinals, and then they sweep home team Long Beach State 26-24, 25-15, 25-10. That is yeah, that's, an annihilation yeah, is. in the volleyball world. It is. It is to win in that the manner. Big West title and advance into the NCAA tournament for the 30th consecutive year. It did not look good heading into the tourney, having to beat Long Beach at Long Beach and the number one seed, which is Santa Barbara. Fortunately for them, Long Beach State took care of Santa Barbara, <coughs> leaving it for Hawaii. They now face Iowa State in the Oregon Regional. Coming up this week, I believe it's Thursday, they play seven-seeded Iowa State. Um, if they play like they played this past weekend, there's no reason why they can't take out Iowa State. Yeah, I mean, if I, whatever uh, Amo said in their uh, motivational prep game speeches is definitely working because, yeah, like you said, this wasn't expected, especially in the fashion that it happened. Like you said, if you're familiar with volleyball scores, those scores are huge. I mean, it's it's we, we're soccer coaches, so that would almost be akin to 8-0 yeah. type of a, of a soccer match, having that kind of a score. So congratulations <laughs> to Navahine, uh, Robin Amo and the gang, Amber Igidi with the MVP performance. Again, congratulations to Amber. Four years in a row, first team all Big West. And again, the tournament MVP. Good luck at Eugene, Oregon versus Iowa State coming up this week. Now, Ernie, the men's basketball team, they were off to a 3-0 and start uh, here, they went to the mainland for the Agri-Cure um, Invitational. Not big-name schools. They beat UT Rio Grande by about 20 points on Friday. They, they came back on Saturday, defeated the University of San Diego, the Toros. Um, they beat them 77-66 to to win that tournament. The first mainland tournament that Hawaii has ever won. So that is... Quite an accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, like you said, it wasn't big names, but you know, it's a step in the right direction, especially with an influx of uh, you know new people, uh, you know, onto this team through the transfer portal and whatnot. Anything is a positive step. You take to me, in, in, uh, other programs have that uh, philosophy. Okay, you you 
play the big boys now. That's all for ranking. What the UH men's basketball team really wants to do is establish a football, uh, a foothold, you know, on who that their identity is this particular year because they lost a lot of people. Let's just uh, let's be real. And then from there, try to win their conference and go from there. Yeah, I mean, they the the two newcomers, um, McCoy from North Carolina and Cotton from Yale, both are contributing. Cotton goes for twenty three points on Friday night, five of seven from three point range. The the Yale graduate transfer has solidified that three-guard offense. McClanahan and Noel Coleman are still here. Coleman goes for 26 points in the championship game, two for four from three. And McCoy has been steady Eddie. 14 rebounds on Friday night, 17 points on Saturday night, leading the team so far in rebounding. You still have Bernardo uh, De Silva there. Um, encouraging. But now Thursday, they go to Salt Lake City to attack the University of Utah, and the University of Utah is off to a pretty good start. So that's going to be an uphill battle to try and compete with Utah at Salt Lake City. But all things being said, 5-0 to start the season was exciting to see because I love me some basketball. Now, the really good news, the biggest news probably as it relates to Hawaii because football is always reigning supreme the men's warrior team come home. Exciting. Exciting. They take a two-touchdown lead, give it all back on a crazy play, fourth down, and they give up a 70-yard touchdown. And then that last, last second, second. goal, yeah. the 51-52 yarder with a running clock snap, maybe half a second to spare. Shipley puts it through, and the Warriors win 27-24, sending off the seniors on a positive note. And more importantly, Ernie, winning three of their last four games to finish 5-8 and eight after going 3-10 and 10 last year. So now we can show statistically some improvement, and hopefully that creates the momentum to solidify the offseason and help build the program from here. Yeah, and I kind of hope that this puts some perspective, into, at least into the you know, the returning classmen for, for next year's team that uh, just don't give up the ball. You know, I think that was the formula of non-success during that uh, down, during the down part of this season. Uh, you know, they keep the ball in play. You know, th- this team is good enough to, to get into a bowl game. And, you know, you, you got the, you, those two uh, incoming recruits uh, from Vegas, the highly, uh, you know, from Bishop Gorman that are going to be infused into this office. Uh, I feel positive for next season. I'm kind of hoping that this is like, uh, you know, a springboard for more success under Timmy Chang. Because really, this this year was up and down and up and down. I mean, you had you started off okay, then you had that big dip. Everybody jumped off the wagon, and I'll be I'll raise my hand. I was like I was I was on that edge too, and to finish up like this, very positive. You know. For this football team. Yeah, because you need momentum. Uh, recruiting is a momentum game. And it's not just bringing in the new recruits or solidifying the new recruits. Even just as important, in some cases even more important, is making sure that the big schools can come in and pilferage your roster. Right. We want to keep McBride for his fifth year. He can stay here. We want to keep freshman Ashlock Pofele, wide receiver. Right. We don't want him to be leaving. Um, So we want to make sure that we're keeping our core guys and then building through them. This transfer portal uh, era is very, very concerning when things go bad and a big school can come and just kind of poach 
all your good players. Um, that's concerning. But winning three of their last four to finish the season on an up note, five and eight, it goes into the offseason with positive momentum. Congratulations to the Warriors. It wasn't pretty the whole season. No. But you got the job done towards the end, winning three of your last four, finishing five and eight, not the bowl game that we thought. We had predicted six and seven. Um, so we were almost correct, just slightly off there. But the Warriors get it done on senior day, 27-24, in an extremely exciting conclusion. Craig Shipley again, 51-yard field goal as time expires to win the game, 27-24. to Whew, that was a lot. That was. I you know what? I didn't think he'd make it. And that was just the University of Hawaii component. It was just so excited. I was sitting at home yesterday, and I'm watching Kule and Paul Breck with all of their tweets, uh, and Rob DeMello and Christian Shimabokuro just one after another, just being so excited about the day in the world of the University of Hawaii sports, <laughs> unlike a day that we've seen in recent memory. Now, the big news Friday night, also at the Ching, at the University of Hawaii was the Open Championship game, the highly anticipated rematch of the OIA Championship with number one Mililani, number two Kahuku, and what a game it was. Again, it came down to the end. Um, Kahuku jumps out, takes an 8-0 lead. Mililani comes back 8-6. Kahuku goes up 15-6. Mililani comes back 15 uh, to 13. Then Mililani takes the lead on an 89-yard touchdown. They're up 19 to 15. Time is running out in the fourth quarter. They have to punt. And lo and behold, Kahuku returns it for almost 80 yards on a punt return touchdown to win the game 21 to 19 Crazy. to secure their third consecutive Crazy. state title. Um Mililani had to have been heartbroken to lose it in that fashion. But Ernie, the game was intense. Two Mililani players ejected for targeting in the first half. Now, one of those targeting calls was against Kaimana Carvalho from Kohuku, their all-world, all-state um, offensive and defensive player. He was knocked out of the game from one of those hits in the first half. So Mililani lost two defenders. Kohuku lost their number one player, um, and they just battled and battled and battled. 21-19 Kahuku. That's, that's something to be said for Mililani. I mean, uh, you know, to lose in that type of fashion where you, you know, you kind of got it in hand. You kept, you know, the Kahuku offense in check for most of the game. And for Kahuku to fight back in that manner to, you know, get what you need to be done at the final seconds yeah, really led up to an exciting ending for, like you said, their third consecutive title. Yeah, and the good news for Mililani is they have a relatively young team. I mean, destined to be the state player of the year, Kenny McMillan. We've been talking about him for the last few weeks. Mililani is a quarterback. He's only a junior, so he'll be back next year. And their offense, I believe, has seven or eight underclassmen, where Kahuku is loaded with seniors. Now, they kind of just reload, Load, yeah. and then people tend to transfer into Kahuku. But I look for Mililani and Kahuku to be the the two best teams in the state next year and I have a sneaking suspicion it'll be the Trojans that are going to be happy at the end of next season but that's one year away Ernie oh but yeah what a battle that was Friday night at the chain yeah and I'm glad that you know it was actually I'm glad that big big Millen still has another <laughs> year because you know he seems like that type of 
you know, transcending quarterback that, you know, you know, at least puts it into the tradition of uh, Mililani High School alum that uh, becomes successful, you know, NCAA players. So, hey, he's going to be he's going to be a target out there, man. He's going to be uh, one of those high profile prep players that everybody's going to look look at. So, yeah, I'm like you. I would expect Mililani just on McMillan alone, you know, to be uh, a highly uh you know, sought after team as far as football rankings are concerned. Absolutely. And in the D1 championship game, it was the Marauders of Waipahu uh, avenging last year's loss to Konawaina 53-28 to over the Wildcats. Congratulations, Waipahu. And in the D2 championship, in a barn burner, it was Waimea going back-to-back with a 31-28 victory over KS Maui to secure their second consecutive Division Two title so congratulations to all the participants and especially kahuku waipahu and waimea hhsaa boys football state champions congratulations now ernie real quick before we get into the nfl we have to talk a little bit about uh, rivalry weekend in the ncaa's because those games were so meaningful it all started with michigan and ohio state And it was an incredible game that went down to the wire. Michigan playing their third consecutive game without Jim Harbaugh secures the victory 30 to 24 when they pick off uh, Ohio State quarterback McCord with under 30 seconds to go. Michigan advances. Now, does that eliminate Ohio State? I'm thinking... I'm thinking it is because yeah. what came out in the polls today, well, let's go through through the other games that had meaning. Oregon State, Oregon, Oregon crushed Oregon State 31 yeah. to 7. Yeah. They continue to be the eye test tells me Oregon is one of the top two to three teams in the country. Um, they're going to have their chance next week against Washington for the Pac-12 title. Washington kind of like the Philadelphia Eagles of the college game. Keeps they find close, a way yeah. to win. Huge favorites in a rivalry game against Washington State. They narrowly escape with a last-second field goal to win 24-21, to 21, but they remain undefeated. So if you keep winning, you're going to advance. Florida State playing their first game without starting quarterback Jordan Travis finds a way to survive Florida. So they win 24 to 15. So they're undefeated. And in the last rivalry game, Alabama, huge favorites over Auburn. Ernie, did you see the end of that game? No, but I I saw the final score and it was tight. It was, it was, I I, I forget, it was like 24-20, I believe. Auburn was up. It was fourth and goal for Alabama at the end of the game from the 31-yard line. Fourth and goal. (laughs) Somehow, Oregon lets a wide receiver go one-on-one. Milrose completes it in the corner of the end zone. Alabama secures the touchdown. Almost as time expired, on a fourth and goal from the 31-yard line to survive that victory uh, over Auburn. So that's crazy. But everybody won. So right now, you still have Georgia 1. You have Michigan 2. It looks like you have Washington 3. You have Florida State 4, probably, or maybe Oregon will be 4. But as much as I think Oregon is the better team, especially without Jordan Travis, Mm -hmm. if you start to just leave out Power 5 undefeated teams from this playoff, that just doesn't seem right. So it's going to be Washington against Oregon. The winner will be in. The loser will be out. Um, 
And then what do you do with these one-loss teams? How far does Ohio State fall? Do they fall below Oregon? Do they fall below Texas? Do they fall below Alabama? Um, that's going to be pretty interesting. They lost a close game yeah. at Michigan. Granted, they didn't have their coach. Um, I think they're going to actually fall to six because I that do think right. Oregon is going to yeah. be ahead of them. But I think Ohio State's going to find themselves ahead of both Texas and, and Ala- Alabama. Yeah, that's how I would I would figure it that way too. I mean, Michigan is a sol- uh, a solid number two. You know, beating them the current number two in Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State, that's not a shameful loss. Alabama lost to Texas. They barely beat Auburn today, like you said, on a miracle last play on on a 31, a goal in 31. Uh, that is definitely not uh, an Alabama team from years past to, you know, to break up into the, you know, the bowl lineup. Yeah, I really just don't see a way if Texas and Alabama both continue to win. I don't see <clears throat> a logical way to have Alabama jump Texas. And Texas is going to be playing in the Big 12 um, championship game next weekend against Oklahoma State. If they take care of business as expected, they're going to have every reason to want to get in. Now, Alabama, Georgia next week. Georgia, too, 31-23 against Georgia Tech in their rivalry game. It was a close battle for them. If Alabama beats Georgia, that's when chaos could could take place because who's going to get in from the one-loss teams? Um, Does Alabama beating Georgia eliminate Georgia? It's going to be crazy because Alabama's eight. One win over Georgia, does it catapult them into the top four? Um, That's just going to be nuts. That's going to be crazy exciting. But the championship games, Michigan against Iowa, that should be a blowout. Iowa, I cannot believe, Ernie, that they're 10-2. and You know what their over-unders have been for the last month? 22.5. 23.5 is the over-under for the game. Um, this week it was 24 and a half and it went under because it oh was 13 God. to 10. Jeez. So Michigan, I believe, is a three touchdown favorite. I would expect them to win. But Georgia could lose to Alabama. I mean, maybe Alabama was looking ahead you never to know. that Georgia game you never because know. they've been rolling. Um, but Washington and Oregon, I think that's going to be a great game. But I would expect Texas to knock off Oklahoma State. Me too. And then we're going to be sitting with all of these one-loss teams if only Michigan wins. I don't see Florida State losing to Louisville, so I think they're going to they're gonna be undefeated, and I think they're going to play their way in. So if Michigan's undefeated, the winner of the Pac-12 game, I think that one's in. If Florida State wins, I think that one's in. Um, and if Georgia wins, of course they're in. But if they lose, it's going to be really interesting yeah. to see who that fourth team will be from Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Ohio State, um, it's going to be crazy. Something we don't have to deal with next year when we expand the playoff system. <laughs> yeah, I mean the conspiracy theorist to me wants chaos. I just, I just, I just love it. I just, I, I want to see what's going to happen on top of this. You know, uh, to me it just makes it more, more exciting and whatnot. Can't wait until the next couple of weeks yeah, for this it's to be, figure itself out. It is going to be crazy. So again, that's Ernie. I am Monty, and we are the sports rivals again. Hoping everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Also, uh, remembering that we are part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, uh, 760 AM, 95.1 FM. Again, weekday mornings, Ku'ule and Paul Breck from 8 AM to 9 AM and Wake Up in the Den. And of course, your home for all Dallas Cowboy games, Clipper games, OIA sports, HPU sports, 
and of course, Chaminade Sports as well. So Ernie, let's transition to the NFL. Early in the week, Ernie got the good news that he's been waiting for. Um, he now qualifies for Social Security. <laughs> I just had to take that shot. Matt Canada fired as the offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We talked about this on the show on that came out on Monday, and I believe he got fired Monday, if not Monday, Tuesday. Right, Tuesday. Um, and... Seem to pay dividends, maybe not on the scoreboard, but the offense looked much better today. Your thoughts on Matt Canada's firing and where the Steelers sit now with uh, five games left? Yeah, with five, yeah, around there. There's seven and four, so that's six, like, six games, games left. left. But anyways, in regards to the firing, totally shocked. Totally shocked about the firing. This is something that the Steelers don't do. The first midseason firing since 1941. I mean, that's how long, I mean, almost a century has gone by since the Steelers did this. And really, the Steelers weren't good until like the early 70s. So they really sucked for 30 years prior to that. And they still didn't make moves during the midseason. So this was a shocker. But it all came down to, I, I guess, the press conference after the loss of the Browns game, where it seemed to... The, uh, Canada just lost his offense. The players were complaining. Their reports... I mean... I think anybody who was following the Steelers saw the Najee Harris interview post-game and, and his disgust. There was also uh, bickering amongst Steelers players between Deontay Johnson and Mika Fitzpatrick after that particular game. Uh, even in prior weeks, uh, you know, you had <coughs> Pickens uh, complaining and whatnot, and something just had to be done. So I believe... Mike Tomlin wanted to do this, but the Roonies didn't want to do this. And once this came out, Mike Tomlin actually got his wish and was able to pull it off. And lo and behold, Pittsburgh Steelers snapped a 58-game streak where they did not produce more than 400 yards. 58 games! That's over three. It was Denver Broncos in the year 2020 was the last time they broke 400 yards in the game. And they finally did it today. Not too much on the scoreboard. They only had 16 points. But the offense... Sure looked a hell of a lot better than it did over the last three years. Fearmouth looked like awesome. nine, another world. Nine, nine catches. catches for a buck 20. He looked good. Pickett looked good. The running game was there as well. So Ernie is excited. The Steelers are back on track. Yeah. <laughs> Super Bowl. Speaking of Super Bowl, the Los Angeles Rams today <laughs> look like they are Super Bowl bound in the <laughs> NFC. Their second consecutive dominant victory over a powerful NFC West opponent. <laughs> today in Phoenix. But seriously, this is the best Rams game of the year. They dominated from start to finish on both sides of the ball. Kyron Williams comes back for the first time since we last played the Cardinals when he went for 170 yards. Today he comes back for a combined 205 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he seems to be to the Rams the cog that drives the bus right now. When the Rams were at their best years ago, when, when McVay first came, their passing game got all of the accolades, but it was Todd Gurley and what he did on the running game and his ability to receive that really was the engine for the Rams offense. And when his knees went bad, 
the Rams offense was not really quite the same. Even in the Super Bowl year, it was nowhere near what it was when McVay first came over. And you can kind of see how the whole Rams team goes as the running game goes. And, and the Rams ran for 200 yards today. Matthew Stafford, four touchdowns today. And believe it or not, at five and six, the Rams are right there, just a game back of the postseason hunt. Um, I was excited. I was excited for the Rams to be able to play that well. I know we tend to dominate uh, Arizona like we dominate Seattle. And, and, you know, but the Rams were not always winning the games they should win. And today was a dominant performance. So I was really excited about what the Rams did. Now, in the, the Sunday night game, as we record, it's 13 to 10 Baltimore with seven minutes and change left. The Chargers just scored to make it a game. No! But let's kind of take let's kind of go through um, what happened this week. We had three games on Thursday. We had one game on Friday. So let's start there. I told you, and if if you follow us on social media, I thought there was going to be three favorites that handled their business on Thursday. Unfortunately for me, it's the one I gave you that did not. As Detroit laid a stinker, I expected them to play their best game of the year instead. Green Bay and Jordan Love had their best game of the year. They played really, really well. They beat Detroit in Detroit on Thanksgiving, 29 to 14. Jared Goff showing signs of why the Rams got rid of him. Three fumbles. When you start to put pressure on him, he fumbles the ball with his small hands. And three lost fumbles were a killer for Detroit that day. Um, So that one I got wrong. And that was one of my two picks, unfortunately. But the other two, Dallas annihilated Washington 45 to 10. Tony uh, Bland, the DB, with his record setting fifth pick six on the year. It's only 11 games, just five pick sixes. That's yeah. just crazy when you think about it. NFL record. Yep. And then in the nightcap, San Francisco went up to Seattle and just no contest just yeah just toss them aside 31 to 13 so i thought there was going to be three blowouts there was unfortunately i had one of them wrong and that was one of my picks mm. then on friday in the first black friday game uh, miami went into the into new york it's not that their offense played brilliantly but they did enough with that anemic offense of the jets to win 31 to 13 so miami prevails yeah any thoughts on any of those four early games i just i just thought san francisco is really flexing their muscle at this point in time of the year i mean seattle is a, a very good team uh i'm a little hesitant to give all uh, uh that same type of credit to uh dallas uh the competition doesn't seem to be the same I want to see them really beat a real good quality team in order for, but you know they've been playing well. That might be a you know an up and coming future game that we see in the NFC Championship. That would be real interesting. Absolutely. So let's kind of run through where we are right now at the end of Week Twelve. Again, with Miami's victory, they are at eight and three. Buffalo loses a heartbreaker in Philadelphia, where they were leading for most of the game. Yeah. Um, Philadelphia kicks a 59-yarder at the buzzer to send it into overtime. Buffalo goes down. Um, Gabe Davis looks open in the end zone. Josh, wrong way. Josh, oh, yeah. Somebody either threw or went wrong the wrong way. way. Um, they kick the field goal, and Philadelphia, lo and behold, does what they do. They went down, scored the touchdown to win. Buffalo at 6-6, six and six, still in the hunt. 
But now um, they still got some hard games coming up. The Jets again, they lose. They're at four and seven. New England, they lose. They go to two and nine. They did bench Mac Jones today at halftime. I don't think it matters. I think they just suck yeah. <laughs> offensively. They just suck. And then in the AFC North, you've got the Ravens again. They're eight and three, pending the outcome of today's game if they hang on they'll be at nine and three your Steelers are at seven and four the Browns go to Denver Denver wins their fifth consecutive game and um uh Dorian Thompson gets injured he was out with a concussion Walker got injured they don't have quarterbacks so Joe Flacco look for Joe Flacco (laughs) that's right to to be playing next week for the Cleveland Browns yeah it was picked two weeks ago against my Rams next week and then of course the Bengals without Joe Burrow they're not going to go anywhere they gave it a a a battle today um but they succumb and I think that's just going to continue they're at five and six Jacksonville wins the battle with the Texans barely hanging on uh, for a three-point victory there. They go to eight and three. The Colts and the Texans are at six and five. Ernie, how are the Colts at six and five? That still blows me away behind Gardner Minshew. They're six and five. And if the season ended right now, they would be in the playoffs with that six and five record. The Titans win today. They're at four and seven. The Chiefs go down 14-0, roar back with a 31-17 victory over the Raiders. They're now eight and three. Um, the Broncos at six and five after winning today for their fifth game in, in a, a row. Yep. And then the Raiders at five and seven and the Chargers at four and six. If they lose, they'll go to four and seven. If they do... I think we're going to see the first head coach fired um, in the next day or so. One quick comment on the Kansas City-Philadelphia game from Monday. Um, Kansas City led by 10 at halftime. Again, the Eagles do what the Eagles do. They came back and win. But... My eyes watching that game told me Kansas City was the better they team. Yeah, they I, I threw an interception in the end zone. Kelsey fumbles the ball at the seven-yard line. They had almost doubled the amount of offense that Philadelphia had. Um, they just did not make the plays when they needed to. My eyes tell me the, the Chiefs are better. You, but the, but you're, we've been talking about this so much. Let's just say this. The, the Eagles had 200 yards of offense they scored three touchdowns which means in those three drives if they average seven yards on each drive they did nothing the rest of the yeah. game so they made the plays when, when they, they had absolutely to absolutely had to yeah. he hits Devontae Smith on that 50 yard pass through the one yard line then they punch it in to win the game it is crazy um but I just needed to mention that because we didn't talk about that because that was the Monday night game Ernie the highest ranked TV Monday night game since 1982. Wow. 29 million people watch the Eagles and Chiefs on Monday night in a monster ratings bonanza. So any comments on the AFC? No, I'm, I'm good with that. My Steelers won. Hopefully it continues. In the NFC, again, we talked about the Eagles. They now go to 10-1. and one. We talked about the Cowboys. They're at 8-3. and three. Clearly those two are creams of the crop. The Giants with their victory today go to 4-8. and eight, And then the Commanders at 4-8. and eight. They too fired a coach this week after the Dallas game. They fired defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. I believe Ron Rivera is on his way out as well at the end of the year. Uh, Detroit gave one away. 
can you tell I'm salty that they cost me a pick? <laughs> but they're still at eight and three in control of the division. Minnesota's at six and five. The Packers are at five and six. And the Bears play tomorrow. They're at three and eight. The Bears and the Vikings play tomorrow. So the Vikings are trying to go to seven and five. Um, hopefully the Bears get a win so that the Rams get closer. <laughs> in the NFC South, Ernie recommends that we sign a petition barring anyone from the NFC South to enter the playoffs. Yeah. You now have the Falcons and the Saints at 5-6 and six leading, leading the division. Leading. Tampa Bay with a 4-7 and seven record and Carolina definitely looking like the, the least in the NFL. Bears are looking good for that number one pick, meaning Caleb Williams. Panthers fall the 1-10. and 10. 49ers roll there at 8-3. and three. Uh, The Seahawks are at 6-5, and five, losing two games in a row. And their next two three games Ernie Seattle goes to Dallas they play San Francisco again and then they play um, the Eagles so Tough they sledding. could easily be at 6-8 and eight in yeah. the next three games then the Rams at 5-6 and six and the Cardinals at 2-10 and 10. so I alluded to it earlier I lost my pick with the Detroit Lions I won my pick with Jacksonville barely so I go 1-1 one one. Ernie won his pick with the Titans he is Hanging on right now. Chargers are driving. And and it's still 13 to 10. Chargers uh, are driving. And the line, I believe, was... Four and a half. Four and a half. So... I want the Chargers to hit a field goal. Let's go into overtime. Baltimore, get that touchdown. Or a pick six. Something. Uh, all you need is a pick six. Yes, it's 13-10 with two minutes and 23 seconds left. So I'm one and one. Ernie's one and oh. Maybe one and one if, if the, the score holds. Um, but next week, Ernie. So before we say that, with the Titans victory, that's five consecutive wins for Ernie. If Ravens don't, don't win by more than four and a half, then that'll break that streak. But still, no matter what, five and one over the last three weeks. Next week, though, we're talking off the air. A little challenging. Yeah. Where are you going with your picks for next week? Uh, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to go with my heart on top of this one. I'm going to go with the Steelers. I believe that this change really picked up the Steelers up. I'm expecting Minka Fitzpatrick to get back onto that defense. I think that charges them up. I think they're more well prepared this week. I mean, they fired their coach on Tuesday which gave them limited time to prepare for this week. They'll have this week and all of next week to prepare. They play the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think the Arizona Cardinals are that good to begin with. I'm taking the Steelers at home. Five and a half points, another 400-yard game for that offense. Steelers stun the Arizona Cardinals offense. They barely get 10 points. If, if, if anything, take the Steelers minus five and a half. For my second game, I'm going to go with momentum. I just love how the Broncos have been playing. The Houston Texans, although they've been having a magical year, I think, you know, in the past few weeks, they've... You know, they've shown that uh, there's some kinks in the armor. I mean, Stroud had another terrific game today, over 300 yards passing, no interceptions. But in the previous weeks, he has had those interceptions. I believe the NFL is catching up to him. He's not a surprise anymore. They're looking at him as a big threat uh, game plan for him. I think that the Broncos defense takes full advantage of that. Take the Broncos plus three. 
the Houston Texans. All right, that's going to be a good game battle for playoff position there at 6-5. and five. I love the Steeler pick myself. I think they're going to roll uh, Arizona's run defense. They have 14 guys on IR right now, Arizona, and I think the Steelers should be able to run all over them if they want. I'm going to stick with the hot team, uh, Dallas, minus 7.5 against Seattle. That game was 3.5. Now it's all the way up to 7.5. I don't like the, the, the hook, but... Dallas, when they play at home as a favorite, they, they blow. crush you. They blow. And Seattle is struggling right now, so I don't see why anything will change here. I expect Dallas to win this game by 14+. plus. This is a Thursday night game, however. Now, both of these teams played last week on Thursday, so it's still a full week's rest for them. But this is a Thursday night game, so for the second consecutive week, I'm giving you a Thursday pick. And in my second one, in the game of the week, I am going to take the San Francisco 49ers to go into Philadelphia and beat the Philadelphia Eagles. The Niners are giving one. We've been saying this all along. As long as they're healthy, they are the best team in the NFL. Um, the Eagles find ways to win week after week after week after week after week. This one, I think, is going to be personal for San Francisco because they went to Philadelphia last year. They played with no quarterback uh, and they ended up getting blown out. I think San Francisco believes they were the better team and they're going to prove it this week. I think San Francisco is going to get the job done in Philadelphia. I, like I expect pick. them to win. And essentially with uh, a spread of one, it's a pick em game. So, yeah, I like that. Pick. I think it's going to I think that could be that could be a potential blow, in my opinion, with the emotional high that Philadelphia won today, escaping their victory. I, I, I like you know, anything happens to that uh, Philadelphia defense and San Francisco, San Francisco was able to score, I, I think they can be unstoppable. Well, the Chargers were stopped. The no! Ravens take over the ball. Don't. Okay. It is first and 10 um, near the 50-yard line with a minute and 51 seconds left. Okay, score another. I don't know what the timeout situation is. It looks like the Chargers still have all three of their timeouts. So... Ernie, all you need is for them to get into field goal yeah, range. Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker. So there is still... Come on, six. keep my streak alive, Baltimore. There is still a chance. Okay, so real quick, we're going to go through our top five. I'll go first because I have no changes in my top five. Philadelphia with another win remains one. San Francisco, although I think they're the best team, is number two. Kansas City, I'll keep them at number three um, because I thought they played better than Philadelphia. They just made crucial turnovers. I'll leave the Ravens. It looks like they're going to pull this off. Um, whether Ernie covers or not is another story, but I'll leave the Ravens at four and Dallas will be my team at five. So the same top five as last week for me. Okay, mine is going to be a little uh, changed. Uh, I had Kansas City at number two last week. They drop all the way down to number four. Philadelphia, of course, stays at number one. They, you know, <clears throat> they remain undefeated. Uh, San Francisco moves up to number two. Baltimore, pending the outcome of this game, uh, it looks like they're going to win. What kind of fashion? I don't know. They're going to be at number three. I have the Cowboys, uh, you know, moving up one spot to number four. And again, like I said, Kansas City rounds up that top five at the number five position. All right. So again, tell us who you like. Who is your top five? And again, some of you may say, where's the Miami Dolphins? Where's the Jacksonville Jaguars? They also have eight right. wins, three losses. 
Um, some Steeler fans may be feeling good about themselves, want them in. Um, so let us know what you think. Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. So what I'm going to do now is going to transition to my closing thought. And for me, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Maui Invitational. First, I'm going to cover the games. Second, I'm going to cover the spectacle that it is. What an incredible tournament. If you watch these games, there were barn burning games that went down. Purdue survives um, the tournament. They beat Gonzaga in the first day. They beat Tennessee. Uh, the second day and then they beat Marquette the third day to win the Maui Invitational Zach Eady was a monster averaging like 25 and 14 for the tournament Purdue will be the new number one ranked team I believe Marquette will be the new number two team they came in at number four they beat Kansas in the semifinals to get into the finals they gave Purdue all they could handle losing by only three I think Marquette will be either two or three Um, because Arizona was three, so they might move up to two. Um, And then Kansas, they win two out of three. They come back uh, on the last day, and they handle their business. I think Kansas is still going to be a top-five team. Hunter Dickinson is still doing an incredible job. Um, But that Marquette team is really, really good. That Kolek uh, and their one-two punch with with the guy down low, they play tremendous defense. Dwayne Wade was here in Hawaii representing Marquette at the Stan Sheriff Arena. I think that was crazy. I will touchdown Baltimore. Baltimore scores a touchdown. Zay Flowers runs for 37 yards and a touchdown. It's and I am six and oh and, and, and if unless the Chargers can come down and score a touchdown in the last minute and a half, it looks like Ernie is gonna win his sixth consecutive game now getting back my gonzaga bulldogs they had the tough draw they drew purdue in the first round they actually had a five-point lead at halftime they went on to lose to purdue they came back uh and they blew out syracuse in the second game and in a great game for fifth place they hold off ucla who looks much better than people thought their young players are playing well so i was real happy with gonzaga's two-in-one performance um there as well so it was a fabulous tournament with so much intensity so much physicality 78 free throws in one game 60 free throws in another game um that's not my kind of game though with that much physicality i like to see a little bit more space but it was really 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 intense now this year everyone knows that the Maui Invitational had to be moved away from Lahaina which is still being used as a resource center for those that have been displaced in Lahaina Um, so the game was moved to Oahu under the circumstances I'm not sure why exactly it had to go to the the Stan Sheriff Arena because the Blaisdell centers completed their renovations in time for this maybe they didn't know what was going to happen but I was watching pricing for tickets for this tournament for months in advance. And it seemed like for TV purposes, they only wanted to sell the bottom bowl. Right. It looked like that on TV. Right. So the tickets were $325 for one session. If you wanted to buy the whole thing, it ran into the three, $4,000 range. So I think that a lot of Hawaii fans that would have loved to watch this caliber of play were just kind of priced out. Um, priced out of the market in terms of being able to pay those kinds of dollars for one session. So if you wanted to see all day, you would be paying $700 for four games, Mm -hmm. which is 
kind of asinine for a preseason tournament. Right, this is right. not March Madness. This is not the Final Four. So I think I, I, I was a little bit puzzled as to why they wanted that. Wouldn't it have looked good if the arena had 10,000 people in there? Um, but that's not what they chose. Now, the other thing that I think compromised the, the situation and maybe impacted the decision-making is that it was a school day for the University of Hawaii. The tournament was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all school days. So even if you wanted to attend, you could not drive to the game. You had to Uber there, catch a bus, right. take some kind of right. public transportation to get there. So not being able to 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 drive there, I think, impacted attendance as well. But with, I just would have loved to have seen 10,000 people watching that kind of, of basketball. But for the reasons of no transportation and super high ticket prices, uh, it looked like a, a like a high school game in there. It was pretty empty. You had the boosters for each team, but beyond that, there was practically no one there. Yeah, and that's what makes the, you know, the Maui Invitational so exciting. I mean, it, it is in a... Practically like a high school gym, yeah, but but it's a seat. but it's a packed mm-hmm. high school gym. It, to, to me, the numbers it would have shown better, at least for the you know for this particular tournament, if they had lowered the ticket price, made it more affordable, uh, make up your money somehow. I don't know what happened on the logistics side, why it had to be at the University of Hawaii, but it would have probably made better sense if if, if it was uh, <coughs> you know at the Blaisdell Center where parking was probably more available at that particular time. You know, and just get a better crowd in there. You know, I mean, just the the emotions of uh, you know more fans in the stands probably would have gave a better lift or a better uh, you know. <coughs> You know, fan appreciation uh, to that particular tournament. So I'm not sure what really happened, uh, you know, during this tournament. But you know, hats off to Purdue. I mean, they were ranked high last year, and that's the way they play. They play a rough and tumble game. Uh, we'll see how that translates into you know this year's tourney. We'd have to see what you know how the rest of the field looks like, what type of style of play uh, happens. But Zach Eady, even though he is in a high prospect as far as draft uh, is. You know, the NBA draft is considered he is a very, very good college basketball player. Oh, absolutely. I think the two best college basketball players going is Zach Eady and Hunter Dickinson, both seven plus foot centers that are they really don't have an NBA future because they're way too slow. Yeah. And the NBA game requires you to be a lot faster than these two guys. Like like uh, Drew Timmy. I mean, he's not quite that tall, but Drew Timmy got cut early in training camp, not even coming close to making an NBA team. And I think Zach Eady and, and uh, Hunter Dickinson is probably going to follow suit in that same regard. But love the Maui Invitational. To me, the premier college basketball tournament in um, the preseason going. And there's a number of them going on right now. Chaminade, though. I mean, it started off as a Chaminade invitation, right. but man. They're getting their asses whooped. Yes. <laughs> They're only allowed to play every other year for that reason. Um, but man, they got whooped three times. But hey, more power to them. And Kule got to do all those broadcasts. So congratulations, Kule, for doing a fantastic job repping the Chaminade Silver Swords. Whew. Gang, that was a hell of a packed show. NFL, NCAA, and of course, the weekend of champions for Hawaii sports with high school football, the University of Hawaii winning their senior day, the Waihine winning the Big West tournament, and the men's basketball team winning the AgriCure uh, tournament. What a wonderful, wonderful weekend. 
and Ernie Steelers winning, my Rams winning, and Matt Canada unemployed. Yeah! It can't get any better. Exactly. Anything else, Ernie? I'm good. Again, gang, just check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcast at IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Support Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We're very grateful for them. On this Thanksgiving weekend, we want to say thank you to everyone at the Hawaii Sports Radio Network for making us a part of your family. And until next week, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Hey.